0: 2022 what a year it's been not that anyone here would know because this is the only video i've uploaded this year to this channel uh, probably the worst year in the channel's history uh just by that fact alone but yeah, i have done some stuff uh, i have played some video games i worked on some video games that came out this year that are now showing up in other people's top 10 lists. so hey that's a cool full circle moment i was making these top 10 lists and Now I'm working on games that other people are saying are cool, so that's a fun time. I've been talking about games a lot on my podcast, which if you don't know about that, you can go check it out. I'll leave a link in the description. But um, hey, here I am to talk to you about the most important thing. Which are the best games of the year that came out this year? So let's bloody well do it! Number 10. Pokemon Legends Arceus and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. It has been simultaneously a fantastic and terrible year for Game Freak. On the one hand, they released two of the most innovative and interesting Pokemon games in the last decade, while on the other hand, technical woes and aging hardware have plagued almost all conversations surrounding them. Whatever side you fall on though, you can't deny that these games have been incredibly fun. I was blown away by the freedom and charm of Legends Arceus, and the ability to dynamically throw Pokeballs while being threatened by the danger of Pokemon attacking my character. Scarlet and Violet appeal to that sense of adventure that idea that this is a world to explore with rare Pokemon and hidden secrets around every corner. Though this series still has a long way to go, it's been years since a Pokemon game has given me feelings adjacent to when I first started playing Pokemon Blue in the late 90s, and the fact that both these managed to achieve that within the same calendar year is something to be applauded. Number nine, triangle strategy. As a Fire Emblem boy at heart, I was always gonna have at least a passing interest in triangle strategy. Though its more immediate predecessors are Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics, there is a distinctly Fire Emblem feel to this game that immediately hooked me. Square Enix's patented HD 2D style is on full display and looking better than ever with beautifully handcrafted dioramas that act as both tactical play spaces as well as exploratory environments. I love how challenging this game is, forcing you to understand that sometimes you just have to sacrifice one of your squad in order to claim victory. There were multiple chapters where I had one character remaining and managed to just eke out a win by the skin of my teeth. Each map is completely unique with interesting new mechanics constantly being thrown into the mix, and there are so many branching paths that it requires multiple playthroughs to see everything. Yes, it is extremely verbose and in many ways to its detriment, but if you're able to push through those elements, you'll find a polished tactical gem that stands as a new high point for the genre. Number eight, Ollie Ollie World. At the end of the day, the biggest compliment I can give any game is that it feels good to play. Smooth flowing movement is peak video games for me and no series is more emblematic of that feeling than Oli Oli. What Oli Oli World does is take it to the next level in multiple different ways. Gone is the requirement to press a button when you land, allowing a broader audience to find the fun. The art style has been completely overhauled, giving us a pastel adventure time inspired look that feels both fresh and in keeping with the series identity. And the previous challenge based level gating has been removed, letting you beat the game without having to become a god at it. But boy, did I damn well try and become a skate god. It took me longer than it should have to finish this game because of how obsessed I got with completing every challenge and beating the high scores on my friends list. There are so many layers and complex tricks to pull off, and there's no better feeling than a flawless run where you finish the entire level in a single combo. The best thing I can say about Oli Oli World is that I would play it even if there weren't any scores or challenges or goals. There is a feeling of Pure bliss when you enter the flow state of skating and not much comes close to beating it. Number 7. God of War Ragnarok Over the years, I've definitely become more critical and sceptical of the big-budget quote, games as a movie that has been the purview of Sony and its various first-party studios. There is a point where you just wonder whether these should even be video games at all, given their priorities. But sometimes, one comes along that really does tick every box, and that is exactly what God of War Ragnarok did. Fundamentally, it's a very similar game to its predecessor, just bigger, more bombastic and ambitious. But what it lacks in surprise and impact, it very much makes up for in variety. There were multiple moments of awe and wonder at the landscapes and realms I was traversing, as well as a real joy in exploration of those spaces. The thing that sets God of War apart for me, though, is that it manages to balance narrative, combat, exploration, and most fundamentally puzzle-solving in a really deft way, that always manages to keep things fresh despite its 30-hour runtime. The mini open-world areas that house the majority of the game's side quests are also brilliant and provided a refreshing experience when the main story was getting tiresome. I don't know how many more of these games I can play, but when the quality level is this high, it's almost impossible not to be impressed by the sheer scale of it all. Number 6, Pentiment i sat down to play pentiment with the intention of checking it out for half an hour just to see what it was all about three and a half hours later it was closing in on midnight and i had to force myself to close it there is a confidence to pentiment that is almost intoxicating it knows exactly what it is and it achieves everything it sets out to do in a way that seems utterly effortless it's about the weight of history the legacy of what we leave behind the desire to be more and to struggle against the forces that challenge that desire It's about love and loss and the crippling agony of existence in an uncaring world. But it's also about hope, about community, about solidarity and unity. It is about building something new on the ruins of something old and defining a future unencumbered by the past. In a story that spans 25 years and a cast of characters that numbers in the dozens, you shape the choices and decisions of one man and come to see how these choices ripple throughout history. I could go on and on about the little details, like the sound of a quill scratching on parchment every time a character talks, or the carefully detailed animations when someone gets into bed but this is truly an experience where it is greater than the sum of its parts. A slow and pouring character exploration that luxuriates in the details and trusts the player to keep them all straight. Pentiment is a narrative tour de force and should not be overlooked. Number five, Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course. Cuphead fucking rules. Look, that's really all I needed to say about it, and it would justify it being on this list, but I guess in the interest of telling you why, I'll elaborate, fine, fine. It is no wonder that it took Studio MDHR four years to finish this DLC, because it is polished within an inch of its life. Every minute animation detail and carefully crafted phase transition are marvels to behold. The combat is as tight and responsive as the main game, with new weapons and a new character to master if you so desire. Despite there being only a handful of new bosses, each one feels perfectly balance in terms of difficulty, and all of them so incredibly memorable. This DLC also adds a new type of level that replaces the traditional side-scrolling affairs with powery challenges that are still platforming focus, but feel far more in keeping with the spirit of the boss fights. I came to the delicious last course expecting a modest meal, and what it provided was an elaborate feast that simultaneously stuffed me full and had me craving for more. Number 4. Citizen Sleeper What if you woke up in the body of a machine? What if that person was simultaneously you, but also wasn't? Who truly would you be? These are some of the questions posed by Citizen Sleeper, a sci-fi narrative game with dice that melds gorgeous and poignant writing with a sublimely ethereal soundtrack to create one of the most contemplative and moving experiences I've had all year. As the titular sleeper, you spend your time living on a space station that has seen better days. You meet members of the community, people just trying to live their lives and survive in a world that has truly seen the end result of our current mode of capitalism. Every day you wake up, you're presented with a set of dice which you use to do various things, work to earn money, explore abandoned spaces, buy food, find medicine, and generally just get through the day. The thing is, these dice are random, and what numbers you get every day is based on pure chance. Just like in real life, some days you wake up and you know, it's just not gonna be a good day. But over time and through your decisions, you slowly make this place a home, make friends worth protecting and form bonds through community. You find hope among the ruins. And in the end, isn't that what we are all really striving for? Number three, Tunic. Tunic is like an onion. No, please, this isn't going to be a dumb Shrek joke, don't go anywhere, just stay here for a second. There are some games where the depths of what they're trying to achieve are so hidden that they can sometimes be dismissed by those who aren't driven to find what lies underneath. What Tunic achieves so masterfully is that rare ability to have a satisfying experience on every level of engagement it is at its core a zelda game with a cute fox you run around this gorgeous isometric world that feels so deliberately crafted as to hide elements and secrets with the perspective in mind layer 2 is the manual inspired by the types of manuals that came with games back when they still did that but this manual hides multitudes things that you didn't know you could do but could have done from the beginning of the game are taught to you through this tool and coming to those realizations is truly magical but it goes further than that The end of this game is something I don't want to spoil, but the depths to which it goes on a puzzle solving level is unlike any game I've ever seen. When I realized what I had to do, I couldn't think about anything else for the next two days, and stayed up late scrawling on pieces of paper like a madman. And yet the game goes even further than that, to a level that even I didn't reach, with a language that I never translated, but which enriches the experience even more so. You may get tired of the combat eventually as I did, and you may come up against some puzzles that seem impossible, but trust me, it is worth pushing through because the payoff is absolutely incredible. Number two, Elden Ring. Arise foul tarnished to seek the Elden Ring. As someone who has never played a Souls game before, mainly because I was turned off by how scary they are visually, Elden Ring was primed to be the one that got me. I'm a big old fantasy nerd. And despite a lot of the stuff in the marketing looking quite scary, the nerd in me won over and I decided to give it a shot. And holy fucking shit, am I glad I did. Elden Ring is one of those games that I found hard to pick up because of the aforementioned scare factor, but once I started playing it was nigh impossible to put down. It took five years, but we're finally seeing the influence of Breath of the Wild on open world design. The sheer size and scope of this world beggars belief. Limgrave alone is one of the most densely packed, richly crafted game spaces I have ever seen, with hidden caves, abandoned castles, broken ruins, and innocuous buildings that once discovered to take you to places you couldn't even have imagined. But that surprise just keeps going, and it's paired with a combat system and an arsenal of weapons and spells so wide and varied that you can really approach the game in any way you wish. The ability to sidestep a boss or to tackle the world in any way you want is so freeing and refreshing and really makes me wonder why I even bother playing traditional open world games anymore because they frankly feel like they're doing the genre incorrectly. So much has been said about this game but it is that feeling of absolute surprise, shock and awe that doesn't abate for over a hundred hours that makes this one of the most staggering achievements in games and a worthy winner of so many awards. Number 1 Xenoblade Chronicles 3 If you know me, you knew this was coming. Xenoblade is a series that is extremely close to my heart. I adore the original game, and it stands up there as my favorite RPG of all time. I didn't think it would ever be topped, especially given that the direct sequel really let me down in a few key departments. But I should have trusted Monolith Soft because Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the sequel I always dreamed of. The stars of the show here are the characters, kids on two sides of a never-ending war that through circumstance are forced to work together but through shared experience become a tight-knit family. Noah and Mio are the emotional core here and their relationship and journey is the heart of this party. Uni is absolutely fucking hilarious and she might be my favorite character in the whole series, especially when paired with Lance, who is boisterous and pensive in equal measure. Tyon takes time to grow on you, but comes out a changed person, and Senna is the girl with the gall, whose personal struggle with being herself isn't fully explored in the main story, but gets a lot of limelight in side quests. And speaking of side quests, for the first time in the series, they're not only worth doing, but are in many ways the highlight. Finding and helping these colonies is the core of the game, and alongside recruiting heroes to your side provide some of the most interesting and insightful details about the world. You find out how these regular folks live their lives in a world where all they know is war and are forced to deal with what happens when that focus is diverted. But Xenoblade is a series that is really known for its scope, and no game, even Elden Ring, made me exclaim at its sheer scale more than Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There is an open area in Chapter 5 that is so extraordinarily massive, I gave up on my goal of mapping out the space myself because of how intimidatingly huge it was. The combat is incredibly satisfying and surprisingly easy to understand given how chaotic it looks, and it builds on the strengths of the previous entries to create what is probably most cohesive and fun in the series. But ultimately what sticks with me in these games is the music and how the tracks are so masterfully paired with the emotional beats of the storytelling. The flute is an instrument that is central to the game's narrative, and the way in which those light motifs are integrated into the entire soundtrack is nothing short of remarkable. The intertwining melodies of Noah and Mio's flutes are an example of that perfect way in which only music can do storytelling. I can confidently say that Xenoblade 3 has a sequence that will go down for me as one of my favorites in all of video games, a sequence so impactful with music so resonant that it brought me to the point of tears. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is a new high watermark for JRPGs and without question and doubt, my game of the year for 2022. And there you have it. That is my top 10 games for the year 2022, as decided by me officially and only. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed. I hope you found uh, some some fun stuff in there. Uh, There's some few uh, games I would like to give a shout out to. Honorary number 11 that you can see on the screen right here. Power Wash Simulator. I put 40 hours into this fucking thing. Oh my god, it's the perfect podcast game. It's so chill and relaxed and thought was fantastic i would have loved to include it on the list but you know just couldn't find a spot for it so here it is uh, unofficial number 11 but is fantastic a great game Uh, i want to shout out bayonetta 3 which i really enjoyed thought was a great follow-up and had really fun moments um just like bananas bonkers over the top really, really good stuff. Uh, I loved Immortality, hell of a weird indie game that came out this year, very FMV focused, narratively super interesting. Uh, you got other narrative games like Norco, which I thought was super cool as well. Another one that I've been putting a lot of time into with podcasts over the holiday is Vampire Survivors. My goodness, the game is fucking crack. It is just dopamine. It's pure, just fired into your brain. The neurons are popping off Absolutely love Vampire Survivors. Uh, I enjoyed Kirby a lot. Kirby was cool. Uh, maybe kind of fell off in the back half, but uh, still enjoyed it a huge amount. Metal Hellsinger fucking rocks. Oh my god, you gotta play Metal Hellsinger. Uh, that game is like music and metal and first person shooters brought into this beautiful concoction that I really enjoyed. Last few, I played Escape Academy with Bally. That game's a fucking awesome co op game. Uh, escape Rooms, that thing rules. Overwatch 2, I put more hours in than I probably should have, but it's more Overwatch. Kiriko is fucking fantastic love playing as kiriko splatoon 3 excellent good fun great follow-up great single player and ai the somnium files nirvana initiative oh a series i got into this year and absolutely fell in love with great follow-up great sequel uh hell of a thing so there you go those are the games that i played this year that i thought were amazing and i enjoyed and were fantastic i'm, pr- I'm sure i probably missed a bunch as well i played a lot of games this year as per usual um and yeah hey thanks for watching this thanks for sticking here even though i didn't upload anything this year except for this uh, maybe next year will be better I- i'm gonna caveat it as well always, but who knows? Maybe I will. Uh, We'll see. I look forward to chatting to you whenever I chat to you next. Until then, thanks for listening and watching, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye, folks.